Real Life has been on a mission for three years, and a lot has happened in three years. Can I hear an amen? amen. A lot of lives have been changed eternally, and uh, God has been doing a great work. So I want you to open your Bibles this morning to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, we're going to jump into this, and hopefully you're getting everything um, that we talk about, and we started with um, the mission that God has given to the disciples, to the church, and then down all the way to us. He's handed us our mission, and that is to help people find and follow Jesus. Amen? Helping people find and follow Jesus. And then we just kind of worked our way up to Acts chapter 16, and this is a, a, a great chapter, but at the same time, there's some, there's some things that Paul was struggling with. And so I want to I begin to read in verse 6. Acts chapter 16 and verse 6. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia, Galatia, because the Holy Spirit prevented them from preaching the word in the providence of Asia at that time. Now, God prevented Paul from preaching the gospel? That's amazing. Verse 7. seven. Then came, then came coming to the border of Mitha, they headed north to the province of Bithynia, whatever it is, amen. (laughs) I even got these marks in here trying to figure out how how to pronounce it. But again, the spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went on, yeah, there it is again, to Troas, all right, and they rested at Troas. So it just seems like the Lord was leading Paul here and there, or actually Paul was just, I want to preach the gospel, so this is a good city, let's go over here. No, the Lord says no. Okay, this is a good city, let's go over here. God said no. Okay, let's go over here, and God said no. Finally, he rested at Troas. It was just a great city, seaport, to start a church and win people to Christ. But by that time, he said, mm, I don't think so. I'm just going to wait for the leading of the Lord. So he pauses here. You ever been there before where you want to do something? I mean, just everything, but God just shuts the door. You ever been there? You want to do something? It just, it just isn't going to happen. And then he goes down, you go to verse 22, and, and I'm going to read it. I didn't put it on the screen, so just listen very carefully. I'll try to get the pronunciation perfect, amen? Verse 22 says, A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city's officials ordered them to be beaten with wooden rods. I'd say things aren't going too well, wouldn't you? Verse 23. They were severely beaten, and when they were thrown in prison, the jailer was ordered to make sure that they didn't escape. So the jailer put them in the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Now, the inner dungeon is a, a lower, and it's where... You get a couple levels and then all the sewage comes down to where they're at. Can you, can you just imagine that inner dungeon? Just, just picture a, a, a two layer and then they're up at the top and then all the sewage comes down and this is where Paul is at. All right. And all the sewage is just coming to where he's at. Again, it's not a pretty pitter. Picture. However, verse 25, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. (laughs) All right. How's that even possible? Okay. Now let's just stop for a minute, minute and just bring yourself to where Paul's at. 
okay? Compare your trials and your troubles to that of Paul, the apostle. So, so do you have much problems when it comes to comparison to Paul and Silas? I say not, right? So, so the question I want to talk a little bit about is this. How in the world did Paul press on? Seriously, how did, he, how did he not give up? How did he not go back to Antioch or go back to Jerusalem and just give up on this? To me, it, it, it's, it's mind-blowing that he stayed committed. Now, and I believe what, what happens is God does things in our lives. He either speaks to us so he, he, he speaks to us or he shows us his power or he gives us our wisdom. And he does miraculous things in our lives to give us that deep conviction that God is in heaven and he's still working. So here was Paul and, and here was Silas and, and they're in the dungeon. And no doubt, I think the reason he was able to praise God, and we'll get to this. And, but the first thing is that he literally remembered the past how that God spoke to him and God worked miracles. Even, even the, the apostles, as they went through and they were martyred for Christ, they remembered what Christ did. What, what, what the past experiences, the past miraculous miracles, and it gave them this conviction that even though Jesus isn't present, he's still in heaven and he's still moving in our lives. Because the past helps us to press on and not to give up in the midst of turmoil and trial. And you, when you don't know which direction God is leading, the past miraculous things that he's done keeps us going. Think about this. Acts chapter 2. There was a rush of mighty wind. There was cloven tongues. The apostles spoke the word of God in all these languages, and the people understood them, and 3,000 people got saved. That, that, that's a miracle, isn't it? Peter, as we read about a couple of weeks ago, he was released from prison. An angel came down, came down, opened the prison door. He walked right out. What a miracle took place. The 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 deaf heard, the, the blind could see, the, the lame could walk again. I mean, there was... Fa- fabulous miracles and, and then God spoke to Paul and Silas or actually to the church at Antioch and says I have chosen Paul and Silas for the ministry so the voice of God gives these disciples that conviction that even though Jesus isn't here he's still on the throne and he's still working his miracles how many of you have ever heard that still small voice don't raise your hand are you, you've experienced miraculous miracles. Or God has given you wisdom beyond your own ability to understand. When God does that, when you go through the times of, like Paul's going through right now, that's the time to remember back. I'm going to give you a couple of, of, of examples of some friends of mine, or in, and even myself, as, as you think back to the past. There was a, this guy named Larry McQueen. Now, you, you, you say, well, this isn't a big miracle. But did it was the Larry. Larry McQueen was not a believer. We, we started our first church, and, and we were growing, and, and people were giving great, and so we decided to buy some property. We bought property and get ready to build. Larry McQueen was a um, 
back in the late, actually early 90s, he, he was a construction, he built homes for a living. And it was really a bad time for construction people. And, and he was really struggling. Wasn't a believer, but his wife was, and his two children were. And they were going to another church. They weren't even coming to ours. So I reached out and grabbed him and said, would you do this? He said, yeah. So we met a long time. He drew up the blueprints, and, and we began the building process. And he'd come to the work site, and he would, he had this truck that was about 10 years old, and he'd pull down the, the gate, and we'd sit right there, and we'd talk about God. And he was stubborn, just stubborn. And, and wasn't going to listen to the word. Like, of course, his wife probably been preaching to him for years. You know how that goes, right, guys? They were just preaching. He just, no, built this wall. And so when I talked, it was like this, you know. And so really going through a rough time, we were paying him, of course. And then it was all done. He came to our, our deal. And, but during the process, he always, he was just amazed at what God did. During that time, we just built this stick building, just some, some cheap siding. And God brought an outsider, wasn't even a part of our church, and gave us hundreds of thousands of dollars to make this a good-looking church, okay, to brick the outside, to give us furniture and all this kind of stuff. And it just really blew him away. So we got it all done, and he was amazed. He came to the service, preached the gospel, didn't get saved. A few weeks after that, now he has this 10-year-old truck, right? When he first bought the truck, brand new, he got a rock stuck in the tailgate. I mean, it was right down the tailgate. And he, every time we'd sit there, he'd be mad at that rock. The guy was a little off, right? Just mad at this rock. He could never get it out unless he bent the truck, and he wasn't about to bent the truck, right? You'll mess it up. A couple weeks after the building was done, he opened the gate, and that rock, like a bullet, shot out right beside his face. Now, that doesn't seem like too much to that. He, right then and there, bowed his head and received Christ as Savior. I mean, it was a miracle. I mean, he still talks about it. I talked to him three years ago. He still talks about that rock. It was a miracle. Wasn't to me, but praise God, it spoke to him. Amen? I mean, the guy, Larry McQueen is a great man of God now. He's one of the greatest men in that church. I mean, you guys still, do you guys remember Larry McQueen? Yeah, yeah, Larry McQueen. Great man. Now he, he's in Community Bible, then he went to Lincoln, he's in a good church. And I'm mean, just serving God, one of the head guys in the church. Fantastic. What we need to do is understand God knows how to get our attention. He knows how to speak to us. And when those things happen, you need to grab a hold of them. And don't forget, let those things be what helps you to press on during the rough times. Years ago, when Judy and I first got married, we were, I was probably 20. She was, yeah, I was 20. And uh, I was working this metal spinning shop. And there was this church in town called Calvary Baptist Church. And uh, we started going there. And they had no pastor, about 30, 40 people there, and they were really struggling. So the guy that started the church, Pastor Newens, came back. He's 82 years old, right? And, and he's not been retired. He just traveled around. He, but he, he came there. He started his church 20 years early. He came there, and he started preaching for us. And, man, we just jumped up to like, like 100 people just like that. And Judy and I come in, and we're sitting, minding our own business, Okay, just sitting here. And, you know, I got my arm around because we're this perfect couple, right? Just got my arm around her. Amen. That, come on, put your arms around your woman there. Come on. Perfect couple. You know, just mind our own business. And, and Pastor Newton's preaching away. And all of a sudden, right in the middle of the sermon, he starts talking about how God called him to preach. And he began to describe, Judy will tell you, he began to st- describe his life. 
and how he was buying this business, and he was a shoe salesman. He was buying this store, this company, and he had two kids and, and this beautiful wife and good money, brand new car. And he was just going down right down the list and how God just reached in his world when he was minding his own business and called him to preach. And I'm sitting, oh, just like that. So I get out in the car and I kind of looked at Judy. I said, did God just call us to preach? She says, I think so. Now, I didn't, I didn't surrender instantly. For a year, I fought with God and said, God, it is impossible for me to preach. I literally, it is impossible. And so I'm wrestling with God. I finally surrendered because you can't whoop him, right? Amen. I finally gave in and surrendered. But my point is, you know, you have to grab a hold of those and understand God is still in heaven and God still speaks. So you better be listening. Can I hear an amen? He didn't, he didn't call anybody else to preach. That guy was 82 years old. Here I'm 20. Look how much older he was. And yet God used him. So listen. And what happens is that, that just gives you that great conviction down deep that God is still in heaven. Even though he's absent here, he's still carrying on his work. Can you imagine what Paul was doing? He was probably no doubt discouraged. He goes here and goes there and goes everywhere and God keeps shutting the door. Can you imagine what his colleagues were thinking? Timothy, Silas, and Luke. Okay? They're all traveling with him. And they were expecting, I guarantee it, because this is the second missionary journey, they were expecting imprisonments. They were expecting a whole bunch of people getting saved. They were expecting to go to prison, get beaten, and, and, and then, you know, being able to escape. And then finally, as they leave each city, they were thinking that there was going to be this whole string of churches. They didn't have you get on the bus get on the plane they had to walk or get on their horses their camels whatever and, and so they were thinking when we leave these towns there's going to be a string of churches guess what there was nothing so how do you think paul you know timothy and and silas and all these guys felt did did paul lose it, 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 it is he still is he still called of god and so paul carried all of this on him but guess what paul never quit he kept going i mean it's, it's, it blows me away he kept going because of the past and then and then all of a sudden things begin to happen now listen to what galatians chapter 6 verse 9 says be not weary in well-doing for in due season you will reap if you faint not now you say, well, that's a weird verse. That's King James, okay? Be not weary in well-doing. Don't give up. Because you're going to reap. And so Paul, he went through all of this. You know, no, 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 no. And then all of a sudden, he had this Macedonia call, this vision. Now, now listen very carefully. I believe because he didn't give up. He followed his hunch on, I want to go here. I want to go here. I'm just going, I, I just got to preach. And so finally came to Troas and he decided just to wait. And all of a sudden there was this vision. Now understand, Paul's no different than you. Paul's no different than me. We're all humans. The only difference is God put his story here. Your story is in heaven. 
It's written down. It's just not here. But it's it. We're, Paul, I mean, the Bible even says in James chapter 5 that, that James, verse 17, James is just like we are. And he prayed earnestly, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. We're just like them. Understand. So when Paul didn't give up, he had a vision. A vision in the night saying, come over to Macedonia and help me. Because he didn't give up, God directed him. Because he didn't give up, he had a mandate, a call from individuals that needed him to share the message. Guys, that's powerful. If you don't give up, you press on, you can grab a hold of the promise that you'll reap if you faint not. In other words, there's going to be a vision. He's going to direct you. He's going to show you where you need to go. And because he didn't give up, there was a Lydia. We didn't read it all, but in, 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 in Acts chapter 16, Lydia shows up when he gets to Philippi, over to Macedonia, over to Europe. He gets over there, and there's this woman, and he goes there for a prayer meeting, and she's not saved, and the Lord opens her heart, and she gets saved. Because he didn't give up. There was a vision. Because he didn't give up, there was a Lydia. Because he didn't give up, there was this demon-possessed woman that kept following him around. And he delivered her from her oppression, her demon possession. So because he didn't give up, there was a vision, there was a Lydia, and there was a delivery. And because he didn't give up, you know, there was this jail. He's down there praising God. And we're going to get to that. He's down there in this stinky prison, and he's praising God. Because of that, you know, the jailers were listening to him as he was praying and as he was singing and praising God. They were all listening. So when the Holy Spirit worked a miracle and the jail doors were open, the chains fell off, the prisoner, prisoners all were listening, and the guard was getting ready to kill himself because he knew that if the prisoners would escape, his, his life was gone, snuffed out. So he's ready to kill himself, and, and, and Paul said, do yourself no harm. We're all here. And the guy ran in and said this, what must I do to be saved? There was a family conversion because he didn't give up. Because he pressed on in spite of the circumstances, in spite of the, that they weren't great, in spite of the closed doors. In spite of things not working so great, he pressed on. Didn't understand it because he had no clue where God was leading him. You ever been there? Yeah. We're there all the time. We just, what are you doing, Lord? Well, just keep doing what you know you're supposed to be doing. That's what Paul did. Well, God, you called me to preach. Remember? So you close the door here. I'm going to go over there. Oh, you close the door. Okay, I'm going to go over there. Because I know you called me to preach. There's no doubt about that. So I'm going. So he goes. He did but he knew the Lord. So if we want the vision, we want direction. If we want Lydia's, if we want deliverance in people, other people's life, we want to influence people. We want, we want family conversions. If we want to see Europe, I mean, Paul didn't by any means evangelize all of Europe. He just planted a couple churches. And then God did the rest. It was, 
It's a fantastic history lesson. But I want you to see, is you're just like Paul. Exactly like Paul. And when you keep on with God's plan, you keep on with God's people, you keep on with God's word, you keep on praying, you keep on doing what God wants you to do, in due time you will reap if you faint not. That's what happened to Paul. It's a fantastic story. Let me just illustrate this, okay? You think, well, that could never happen to, to me. It already has. To me, we don't. We don't even understand how far our influence goes. When, when you're at the, the bank, when you're at the, the, the weightlifting, or no matter where you grocery store, you just do right. You know, you know when, you, when you feel like you're in love with your wife or your husband, it's easy to go home, isn't it? You need to go home when you don't feel that way. How many ever struggled with their spouse? Or have you always had this wonderful relationship? Oh, yeah, yeah. Every one of us could raise our hands. There's times in our lives when we don't want to go home. There's times in our life when we don't want to go to work. There's times in our life we don't want to go to church. There's times in our life we don't want to pick up the book. The point is, press on. Press on. Don't stop. Don't give up. God will bless in a big and mighty way. When uh, a couple years ago at uh, Halloween, I'll give you just a couple of examples. Gordon and Sarah came to one of our Halloween nights. Gordon and Sarah back there on the soundboard. Is, is that a little crowd back there? You got look back. Everybody look back there. The guy in the orange shirt. Okay, that's Gordon and that's Sarah. Okay. And that's their, their crew. And then over there is the band. I have no clue what they're doing. They're back there. Corey's on the floor, drinking coffee, enjoying life. That's a band for you, amen? Okay? Okay, so, so Gordon, they, they come to Halloween, and they show up for a service. And then we have an ice cream giveaway. And Gordon's there, and he comes over to me, and he smarts off. Like, who is this guy? He said, don't remember me. I said, no. He said, I was just in your church. How could you not remember me? I didn't. So uh, he came back Sunday. Well, then his father-in-law, mother-in-law, Faith and Sam. Sam, raise your hand. And Faith. They're good Christians, you know. They're, they're, they're solid. They decided that real life sounds like a cult. <laughs> Don't have no clue what that is. Sounds like a cult. So they came just to visit us. I'm just talking. We are regular people, regular stories. We all have a story. So they come to church. I don't know why they're still here, but they're still here. Amen. <laughs> they're still here. Praise God. So then they invite their kids. Their other kids. Jenny, Jeremy. Raise your hand. He's the one that proposed to her up here. Yes, last week. Okay. They start coming to church as well. See the story? I think, I think Jeremy got saved first. Or was it the opposite? Jeremy first, because Jenny was dragging her feet. She's a little more stubborn. No. Then, then she gets saved, and they both get baptized. Oh, what am I just, I'm just simply saying, didn't that sound just like this story? No different. That story could be right here. We all have our story. 
But guess what? They didn't give up. They were looking for a church. They kept looking. Don't stop. They kept looking. They didn't give up. Another family started coming to our church. Over here, um, for some reason, they were here and now they're gone. I think they're back working with the kids. Uh, I hope they're back working with the kids, right? Um, Sean and Katie started coming to our church. And uh, they were, I can't remember, what denomination were they? Mormons, okay? So we took them out to eat. It was an expensive bill, okay? Because they got all these kids. And so it was, it was a good time. They, the kids loved to come to church. I'm serious. They, they, they weren't going to come back, but the kids kept hounding them. They want to come back to church. They want to come back to church. So they started coming. Both of them got saved. So then they reached out and talked their mother into coming. Back there. Cynthia, raise your hand. She starts coming. And she drags Michael. No, I think just the opposite. Michael, raise your hand. Okay, this is, this, this is just one of those, this is one of those stories out of the Bible. See, we just don't look at it that way because, oh, well, but, but this, is, this could be in the Bible because they're here. They both got saved. They both got baptized. They're on fire. Then next to them is uh, another one of their kids, Jake and Jenny. Am I right? Okay, so Jenny starts coming. I, I think you both came at the same time. Okay. And uh, they both trusted Christ, and they've been here ever since. They want to get baptized. Now they got two kids that, that the one to meet with me last week, I just that they both want to get saved. They're not saved. Look, raise your hand right there. They both want to get saved. I'm going to talk to them afterwards. Amen? My point is, I, I, I'm just talking stories. And it go, I, this goes on. Molly, Jeff, right here in the front. Look, he's got his hand around her, isn't it? <laughs> Amen. That, just stories. We overlook this. They invited a couple back there, Jay, Jason, right in front of Jason, the Hill family. Raise, raise your hand there. Yeah. Amen. They, because they invited them, they started coming and they got saved. Amen. And, and it just go, it just keeps going. Jess invited a, a, a lady to church. She's a little squirrely. She's not. Carla. She's not here. Okay. So Carla starts coming. Carla gets saved. Scott hangs on. Doesn't get saved right away. It was her boyfriend. But then he finally gets saved. Then they get married. Well, the great thing about this story is the kids started getting saved. Right here. Oh, right here. First, this one. Jordan, stand up, Jenna. She's almost six foot. She's a volleyball player. Fantastic. But she just got saved. And she's on fire. And her sidekick, he's a... Right there. He's a football player for Ozark, which, which Nixon just killed him. I'm so sorry. Okay. Anyway, I mean, these guys are coming to Sunday school. Our new Sunday right here. And then right next to him is this, this bald-headed guy up here, this big old beard, uh, good-looking kid. He got saved then. And then Scott got saved. And then it doesn't stop there. Uh, Dierica, you know, the tall one of the brother, his, uh, Tanner, he's 6'7". Six, okay. 6'9"? That's college. I think, I think he's 6'7", but I'm sure he lied to his brother saying he's 6'9". <laughs> but anyway, he's Larry Bird if he's 6'9", all right? My point is this. It's just stories. He gets saved. Derek gets saved. It just goes on and on. These are stories, guys. 
and doesn't stop. The key is press on. Because you're going to get staggered when God shuts the door. You're going to stagger when you're in the pit of prison. You're going to, you're going to get staggered. This happens to every single one of us. But don't give. Can I hear an amen? Don't give up. Press on. You never know. If you press on, there's going to be a vision. If you press on, there's going to be a Lydia. If you press on, you're going to influence somebody for Christ. Because when Paul saw that, that vision in the night, he got over there. There wasn't a man waiting on him in Philippi saying, I need to be saved. He wasn't there. He waited for a few weeks and then he went to this prayer meeting and Lydia got saved. The point is, there's all kinds of people around us that are ripe, ready for harvest. And when you give up and you start focusing on yourself, you miss those opportunities. Mike invited Mark. Where's Mark? Right here. He showed up this morning at 7 o'clock to help us set up. Well, Mark, or Mike over here, said, hey, why don't you come to, come to Real Life Church? And he said, I don't think so. Right? Oh, you said that to your wife. Good job, dude. <laughs> said no to your wife, but yes to a stranger. Well, whatever. Christmas Eve, the guy gets saved. Listen, he didn't get saved. He's coming to our men's group, and he is growing by leaps and bounds. It's exciting what God is doing. But I'm telling you, Mike didn't give up. He hit the wall a couple times. We all hit the wall a couple times. He could have got out of church. He could have said, no more, but he didn't. And he's out inviting people. Come to this lunatic church out there, real life church, and people are coming. People getting saved. It's fantastic. So let's, let's, let's look at a video real quick. Because God has given us the vision. All right? God has given us a vision. And that vision is just go places and talk about me. But, we have to understand the most important thing in life is the Macedonia call that says, come over and help me. It's just simply, tell me about Jesus. But people don't verbally tell us. Because they don't even know what they need. They're in darkness. Satan has blinded the eyes of them that know not unless they hear the gospel, the glorious gospel, and get saved. Now, this clip... Somebody's getting a message, Amen. This clip is about passion and not giving up for football. It's moving. It's stirring. But it's not eternity. Souls don't depend on this. So think of this, this clip as you not giving up on lost, the lostness of those around us. Understand that hell, you listening? Hell is the majority of people's destination. The Bible says, wide is the gate that leads to destruction, hell. Many there be that enter therein. Narrow is the way that leads to life, and few there be. Now, Fleener didn't say a multitude of people are going to hell and only a few people are going to heaven. Fleener didn't say that. The Bible, Matthew chapter 7, says that. So in your mind, try to, try to transfer this passion over to you, embrace it for those that don't know Christ. Go ahead and hit it. 
Isn't that moving? Powerful. If you knew that not giving up would change somebody's eternal destiny, would you give up? I believe not. I believe not. I believe if you understood that verse, it says, be not weary in well-doing, and it really applies to all of life. Be not weary in well-doing, especially, listen, especially our vision is helping people find and follow Jesus. If you don't give up in inviting people, when people come to this church, they're going to hear the gospel. Now, we're still working on the discipleship area, but they're, they're going to hear the gospel, and they're going to have to make a choice. This church gives the gospel, and people are going to have to have a, make a choice. Don't give up. So, so if you knew that, and now you know, Apply this coach to the Holy Spirit. In your heart, press on. Press on. People's eternal lives are at stake. Heaven and hell are in the balance. This Christianity is real. Hell's real. Heaven's real. It's not a joke. It's a reality. And when you sit back in defeat and discouragement because of your circumstances, things aren't going to happen. But when you press on, God begins to move. And God begins to work, even though it doesn't look like it. You're surrounded in this prison and filth is coming down on you. But when you're singing and praising God, it makes a difference. It makes a difference. God works through you. Paul's a broken vessel. He's just like you and he's just like me. How many here know they're broken vessels? I know it. The band is a broken vessel. Amen. Amen. We're all broken vessels. Josh Kinney is a broken vessel. Man, that was, you should, you gotta be, gotta be quicker, brother. Amen. Your wife was right there. I heard a whisper, amen. I'm kidding. All of us are, are, we're broken vessels, but God uses crooked sticks to draw straight lines. He gets the gospel out and touches people's hearts. Listen, don't give up. Come every Sunday morning. Do right. Stay in the Bible. Come to, go to your, 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 your small group. Don't give up. Don't give up in your devotions. Just don't give up. Let me be that coach. Come on. You can do it. When you show up here on Sunday morning, you don't, you don't realize how, how encouraged I get from you. Seriously. I know who's here and who's not. I'm your shepherd. And so when you don't show up, it's like, oh, not here again. You know, that's my flesh. How many want my flesh being excited? No, we don't want the fleener. We don't want the flesh side. We want the spirit side. So when you come, you encourage the spirit side. Can I hear an amen? amen. And you want to, you want to, you want, you want to say, sick him, fleener. Come on, fleener. Preach the word, fleener. You don't want me up here to say, oh, I'm so discouraged this morning. Pray for me. Pray for the preacher. Pray for the people that hear the word of God. I mean, this is a war zone. 
It's a place to praise, but it's also a war taking place. The Holy Spirit is working in people's hearts. Do you want to get saved? No. Yes, you do. You know, there's a battle. Do you want to walk with God? Do you want to just confess that sin? Do you want to repent? I mean, the Holy Spirit is working. And we need to be on our knees before the service all week long, praying for this one hour, one hour and 15 minutes. Because I can say all the right things. And it drop on hard hearts. And it goes nowhere. Or I can preach from a hard heart and it goes nowhere. So we got to have the Holy Spirit working. we got to have God moving. And the only way it's going to happen is if we come together and we encourage each other not to quit, not to give up. Encourage each other, press on. Press on. Press on. Father, we come to you this morning in the name of your Son. Father, we are so thankful for Paul the Apostle. Yes, he is one of the greatest men of all times. But all he did, surrendered totally to you. Most of the time. Not all the time, but he, he, he was mostly a surrendered vessel. And that's, Father, why you used him in that great way. God, I pray this morning that you would help each one of us to realize that in our vessel, this life, this body, your Holy Spirit resides. And when we get out of the way and let the Holy Spirit begin to move and work, things begin to happen. So, Father, help us just get out of the way. Help us not be the reason that you're not touching lives. Help us to get out of the way and let you move and let you work and help us to get on board with what you're doing in and through us. And Father, we'll give you the praise and all the glory. Let's all stand with our heads bowed, our eyes closed just for a moment. And it's in this time of silence, head bowed and eyes closed. I know that you're going through some difficult times. I understand we all go through trials and struggles. But what, what kept Paul on, what kept him pressing forward, what kept him from giving up was remembering that Jesus Christ is in heaven. And what he left the bosom of the Father to accomplish here on earth, he's back there still building his church. But here's the kicker. He's doing it through you. And he's doing it through me. So what we need to do is just jump on board. Jump on board. Press on. So while heads are bowed and eyes are closed this morning, this is your opportunity. It's your opportunity to say yes to God. Here am I, Lord. Use me. If you're, if you're saved and you know it, this is your prayer. Lord, I yield to you. Here's my body, my soul, and my spirit. Lord, here am I. Just use me. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ, your prayer is a little bit different. You need, to, you need to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. You need to be part of the family. So if you're here and you've never trusted Christ, head bowed, eye closed, if you've never done that before, today after service, come up and talk with me and help me to show you from the Bible how you can know for sure 
that you're a believer. You can know for sure you're going to heaven when you die. Close your eyes, bow your heads just for a moment. This is your time with God. If there's sin in your life, just, just take care of it. Don't let it linger. Surrender totally today. Father, again, we're so thankful and grateful for your word. Father, I pray that you'd help real life us as a body. Us as a church, each, every one of us are part of this body. That you'd help us to not to give up and, and, and to look that we're just like Paul. We have to make a decision to press on. So, Father, I pray this morning that you'd help us. Oh, God, help us to be like this football player with the death crawl and give it our all. Be willing to sacrifice for the souls of men. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ushers, if you'll come at this time as Jason's coming up here.